I can think of a million albums that I've kind of been like, yeah, no, and then gotten into, but none of that music is hard for me because I, I can see the value in any part of it. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, always loved it. Love them. Uh, Die Straits. Hate them. Yeah, I can see why people love them. I've never liked them myself. I'm just trying to think of my controversials. Uh, yeah, yeah, go uh, through all yeah. this. Uh, Eagles? Eagles, yeah, I can see. I, I just that's like it's just like kind of one of those things. It's like sounds like the radio, you I'm know. I'm just like it's okay for what it is. Yeah. But I, I, I can't. If anyone said to me that the Eagles were their favourite band, mm. I'd be like, oh, that's. I don't know. I could see that. I could see that. I've got to be honest. I'm going to judge you if you say that. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. of our colleagues played. Um, well, who sings Margaritaville? Jimmy Buffett the other day, and I went, "Why are we playing Margaritaville on the radio?" And then I was like, "Wait, and there are a lot of people who really like that." Yeah, yeah. And how about like. Britpop. Uh, I know that's a very... Talking to the wrong people for Britpop. No, that's, that's like, like Oasis, Blur. No, 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 no. I'm thinking more... Well, we can go through the various generations, but I'm thinking more sort of like that Merseyside vibe, first of all. Throw me bands. Oh. Um, what do we consider? Uh... Well, apparently there were four. Um, I can only remember Ringo. No, no, no. <laughs> um, well, well. Uh, all right. Well, let's work backwards then. Um, uh, Oasis. Oh yeah, fantastic. Blur. Easy. Yeah. 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 Uh, How were they? Every day out again. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Coming back to Arcade Fire, the thing they came on and played with the paper mache hats was Song Two at the start. They, they came on and played Song Two, and then said, "Fuck it, you don't need those guys. You got us." <laughs> all right, let's get serious now. Spice Girls. Loved it as a kid. Went to see the Spice Girls maybe like three, four times. Yeah, and he's not joking. At the movies. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Uh, not quite in the Brit pop genre, although maybe there could be an argument for uh, a time. Uh, Bowie. Where do you sit on Bowie? Always loved Bowie. Brilliant. Yeah. Guy's a genius. I mean, here's the thing with here's the thing with um, Pointy and I growing up. He was into more alternative stuff much earlier than I was. I remember just being totally on board with the Hanson, which I'm still totally on board with, um, Hanson thing and the Spice Girls thing. And the mid-90s, to, mid to late 90s were totally my era of just gorging myself on stuff that could be considered ridiculously embarrassing, whereas you were kind of more credible in your taste at the time. Like what? What were you listening to in the late 90s? Um, I would have been listening to, I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins, Tool, Radiohead... Yeah, Oasis, REM, that, that sort of that sort of stuff. Actually, Radiohead's an example of something that got by me, and I only got back to well after everyone else had. <laughs> had uh, it, it was really one of those things that it's considered. Uh, they are considered masterpiece or a, or a cultural touchstone for a generation, almost Nirvana esque. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And and I went right, so I need I need that. I need that in my uh, in my ballpark. Yeah. That must be part of my equipment if that's if they're that big a deal. Yeah, and, yeah, and I get it. I get it. I had a bit of a moment. Um, I can remember it so vividly um, with OK Computer by Radiohead. Um, I've got family in Sydney, so I was probably in years eight. I would say, yeah, because OK Computer came out in 1997. So I had a cassette of it. I was in the back seat of Mum and Dad's car. We're driving around the rocks in Sydney. And I just remember hearing uh, Climbing Up the Walls, which is one of the sort of tracks towards the end of the album. 
and it was one of those moments where you know that your view on music has changed. Yeah. I was kind of like, I have not heard anything like this before. Yeah. This is amazing. It's really funny with climbing up the walls because um, I know it's like considered by some to be that in that easy listening kind of like the early 2000s went through this chill out mix kind of zone like this kind of ambient techno chill out kind of relaxing style and I really like the band Zero Seven because at the time, now Sia is a big thing, the Australian-British singer-songwriter Sia, um, but at the time she'd only done guest vocals really for Zero Seven stuff and I was just in love with her voice so I bought Zero Seven albums and um, Zero Seven did a remix of Climbing Up the Walls and that was the first time I'd heard that and that was around the time, like the year of OK Computer was like 98? 97. 97. Um, so, so I think in 2001 I was listening to this Zero Seven thing because I was in love with Sia's voice and they did a remix of Climbing Up the Walls and that's where I started getting into Radiohead through something else and the original version of Climbing Up the Walls just sounded so completely different to that. Here's another one, Sting. Love the police stuff, never been a Sting solo fan. Never listened to one police album, never listened to a Sting album. You've got to know d- d- police d- I mean, songs. I mean, I know like some of his yeah, stuff, sure. of course. But, but de- deliberately not listened to? Or? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I've not seeked it out. I've never thought to myself, oh, what can I listen to? Oh, I'll grab a police record. <laughs> like, I, yeah, interesting. Like, I don't yeah. know, like police, dire straits, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know, just for me... It's never been something that's grabbed me. Yeah. There's a particular, uh, like, sort of mainstream 80s kind of indie rock stuff that never really grabbed you because you never liked U2 much. No, U2 is... I've tried to like U2. I got... Um, I borrowed Akhtung Baby from um, the library growing up going, oh, okay, I hear this is a really great album. I didn't really dig it. But you two are one of those bands for me that I never really needed to get into because they were just yeah, everywhere. They were inescapable, yeah, weren't they? You could yeah. not get through those um, And now, really, they are because they're just <laughs> dropping their album on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. I certainly had a fairly serious U2 romance at one point, hmm. but again, that says more about demographics than anything. Yeah. They, they were the super band of the time when I was in a position to pay money to watch super bands, you know. Yeah. So, and I was actually front row at one of their Zoo TV gigs, and that was a fairly memorable experience, suffice to they say. They put on good shows. They could do a show. Well, on that point, there's probably not a lot of bands that are going to reach that same level of stardom ever no, again. Maybe ever again. Like, no. Yeah. It's like, not possible. It's probably not going to happen. Oh, like. Hang on, I've got one. Kiss. loved Kiss. I grew up with a cousin. I grew up with a cousin who had fucking like Kiss dolls when they first came out and um, collected them and then I'm pretty sure they got like given away by his mother when they moved or they ended up like under a new house they were building in the concrete with Star Wars figures from 1970 whatever and like he always regrets not having them. So I've always grown up with the Kiss fandom in my life. Well I'm old enough to have been in a primary school playground where you chose who you were. Yes. I, I was always Ace Freely. Yes. 
yeah, and I don't. I, I'm. I feel it, like you get some cred though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks. That was always the cat man. Yeah, yeah. I was never a Gene Simmons guy. Yeah, and. Clearly, then that was a time before I was doing any discerning listening. That was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Oh rather shit! Yeah, than, uh, that was the Spice Girls of its time. Yeah. Like, and I know, I know it sounds so different music-wise. Spice Girls. No, fuck it. It was. It was. <laughs> now that is a good night out. No, Listen to the Spice Girls. I will tell you a hundred percent that it was the Spice Girls of its time because no, isn't it no, like the Marilyn Manson of its no, time? No, it is nowhere like... near the Marilyn Manson of its time. Marilyn Manson was the Alice Cooper of its time, uh, but oh yeah, I because it's that. no, because it's edgier and put the solo thing together but Kiss was marketable it was broad. the Spice Girls were everywhere they're broad they're on everything from like t-shirts we, we, to we lollipops had, we to... had Kiss collector cards yeah. and that that I think you make a compelling argument I don't know that it stands up musically but it stands no, no, up I'm not talking about it music it stands up culturally I'm totally talking about culturally yeah. because you could pick which one you wanted to be each of them had their own discernible name and look the merkin merkining the merkin the merkining <laughs> the merkining <laughs> The marketing. Like some yeah, sort that, of, um, that's strictly an internet thing. <laughs> sounds like some sort of photo hacking of, of marketing. The marketing. The marketing. Uh, where was I going with that? God, that's sidelined me. Uh, yeah, no, I they, don't know if that's the episode name. <laughs> Are you proud? That's the episode name. Yes. Victory um, is ours. But they had dolls. They had everything that Kiss had. Essentially, you could have read the KISS marketing book and applied it to the Spice Girls in the late 90s. Even to the point where the world was ready for a girl band to be doing that. That was yeah. the obvious progression yeah. of the concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there are myriad failed versions of that from the Monkeys to S Club 7, you oh, know, yeah. that, that are all in the same genre broadly. S Club 7 never reached those same heights no, as no. the Spice Girls. They had their own Miami TV show, but it was never never that same cultural saturation. I remember what, the first time out of, like, four I went to see the Spice Girls movie at the movies when it came out, yeah. and then I got on VHS for my birthday. Which, oh, God, I was sad, which but I, I'm, which I'm proud. Which girl would you most likely to date? Oh, I thought you were going to say B. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> which one would you be? I, I, I never, I never. Oh my which god! Which one would you be, and which one would you date? I never had the B thing. Um, I never had the. I wanted to be them because that's a whole separate psychological <laughs> yeah. issue. Like we could break down the Grant psychological podcast series, but um, uh, I think I remember in the opening scene of the Spice Girls movie where I'd always, I'd always thought they were great because I was a '90s pop fan. But my god, my little, how old would I have been in '90? My little ten-year-old self. Just like it was like that old Warner Brothers cartoon where the hearts being out of the chest and the jaws on the floor in that yeah. first scene where they pan across them and they're singing too much in the gold suits. I'm like, holy shit. Um, always either baby or ginger. But then when I grew up, I'm like, okay, Mel C's voice is clearly the best. I love Mel C. Did, did you get into the spice never, girls? No, no, no. Just on a purely aesthetic level. Um, Oh yeah, I'd have to say that. There might have been some um, some mornings watching Rage going. Oh, I guess they're yeah, not yeah, they're not one? too bad. <laughs> which one? Which one? Which one? Uh, probably Ginger, I would say. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever have a favourite? Yes, Gin- Ginger. I Ginger think, was brash. But but I retrofitted her from the Raining Men era. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that was I think that was when I got to. There was a you know I could I could have my baby moods and I could have my posh <laughs> moods but the uh, yeah no I think it was a ginger I was thing. never posh or no, scary well, never posh that's... posh was always just posh should have been scary I reckon she should have been the scary <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the scary uh, was the total tomboy and Mel C was alright but it was always either baby or ginger I, I often 
and think of when you know David Beckham's been away for six weeks and he <laughs> and he comes home and she's in a particularly hungry mode. You know, <laughs> she's gone a large number of days without any sort of sustenance, <laughs> and he, you know, and he drops his sports bag in the wrong spot. I reckon she'd be scary, Spice. Oh, yeah. she would be scary. <laughs> oh God. The only music I've ever passed over because other people, like, it, it's, it's a thing that other people have loved that I've passed over because other people have loved it too much or because other people have been like, oh, it's so great. I think Pavement was a big thing for me. The 90s indie rock is Pavement. Yeah, right. I was passed over because someone I knew loved them very much and rambled on about them. And I was like, ah, yeah. Nick Cave? Um, took me a while. I think I had to hit my late teens to get it. I was always aware of it, but never loved it. But I, I think that's a kind of music you have to hit <laughs> a point in life. It's not Spice Girls, is it? No, <laughs> it's not Spice Girls. It's one of those things that, I don't know, Nick Cave, if you get into it as a teenager, that's probably the perfect time because you're getting all the angst and the darkness. Yeah. And but there's a not- difference between like not getting something that is a huge cultural phenomenon because you're younger or because you just miss out on it and I think Nick Cave is totally one of those things you have to be of a certain maturity to get and understand oh yeah but oh man Grinder Man were awesome oh Grinder Man were great <laughs> we saw them at Homebake a couple of years ago yeah they were excellent and and you know that's that's the interesting thing about putting a Spice Girls alongside a Nick Cave or whatever else is that your U2 example was a good one some music happens to you and you happen to some music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no no, no one's going to catch Nick Cave because he was on high rotation on UFM. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and you need a a demography and a disposition and, uh, you know, and also some people are at the peak of the powers right when you interact with them. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, and that's why I find somebody like Bowie so interesting because... He keeps doing it. And is simultaneously mainstream and obtuse. And yeah. that's And that's an astonishing thing to maintain Absolutely. over any length of time. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing that, I mean, that comes down to what we were, the Lost Podcast kind of subject that we, like, it might as well be a, like a split subject thing today because cultural time shifting in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Bowie was a completely different thing to everyone who interacted with him, but anyone who is of the age, pretty much from the 2000s on, to engage with Bowie for the first time can have complete access and streaming and downloading and different things to his entire catalogue, all his different stages. And Bowie is sort of many different things to that one person as opposed to several different kinds of Bowie and which one you interacted with is your Bowie. Well, I guess the character reveal's not there. Um, Not that it was there for you or I either. We were obviously too young, but I guess that transition from David Bowie, the sort of folk stuff that he did originally compared to... to Yeah, that's right, to the more glam rock sound than to... Thin White Duke and yeah, all the different yeah. personas he's gone through. Like at the time, that must have been great. It's like shit. What's he going to do next? Playing out in real yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And you know the the I think there were echoes of this in your chat with Nick about the time shifting mm. uh, conversation that you had there as well. I, I am in no way nostalgic for having to be on the lounge at eight thirty on Monday night, or you missed it. I'm in yeah. no way nostalgic. But there was there was something. 
it was a unique experience to have to wait for the next serve. There yeah. was there was something about that that will never be known. I mean, uh, even even now with my daughter, she says, "What's what's a taipan?" Yeah, you Google a taipan. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah. We don't have the Emperor Nazi Goreng experience anymore. You can buy. You can you can get like a set of free encyclopedias that someone paid a couple hundred dollars for twenty years ago. You know? get, quite. Here's the thing. The outdated information. You know. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, let me. Uh, for me, I came to interact with Pink Floyd because I had a 23 year old dad who was into yeah. Floyd and yeah. listened to it in the 70s off an eight track with me in the back seat. Yeah. You know, that's how I came to Floyd. Now, Floyd is like a cultural coming of age, you know, street cred music experience to yeah. get into and you go and mine the back catalogue and you do it. You know, Shine On You Crazy Diamond played out in real time mm. in, you know, in my 70s childhood from a dad who also introduced me to Bread and Cream and Disco Duck, you know? I, I, I like just the, the rattling off of Bread, Cream and Disco Duck. <laughs> bread just... and Cream go well together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you know the yeah. Disco Duck? No. Yeah. Please uh, it was a novelty song of the. <laughs> I, I have this memory of this album cover in Dad's collection, yeah. and it was just a woman's bikini, like a woman's torso from sort of just below the breast to mm. just the the mini skirt line. Let's go with that. And the uh, and the track listing was written in like. Um, what, what's the pink stuff you put on your face? Uh, uh, zinc. Zinc, yeah. like written in zinc on her. Um, on her belly, yeah. and so there was. It Sounds was, like a Spinal Tap album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like you know, it was like nineteen seventy six Hot Summer or something, yeah. right? And the uh, and it had the various hits of and the inevitably eclectic collection that those summer of hit things are. Yeah, and there was this novelty song called Disco Duck, and it's di- oh, I can only Disco Disco Duck. Or whatever, right? And, yeah. Yeah. and he did that. Oh god, it was. Just, it was a thing. Oh, it was a thing. It was the crazy frog of its time. It was the crazy frog of 1977. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. It's funny you should mention Pink Floyd because mm. funnily, that that is something that I always passed over. Um, really? I've always been like, I'd, I'd heard Dark Side of the Moon before mm. and I've always been like, oh, it's meandering and rambling and I could never get into it. And it's like, But ah. that's the point, man. I know. <laughs> Once again, time and place. And yeah, funnily yeah, yeah. enough, my uh, my fiance, Nothing Cutie, mm. she grew up in the same way that you did with mm. her dad playing Pink Floyd over and over again, specifically Dark Side of the Moon. Mm. And it took, I, I, I don't choose to go and put on Pink Floyd, mm. but I really enjoy it when it's on now purely because I understand it more and she was like, you should get into Pink Floyd it's really cool. I, I really like Pink Floyd and I love Dark Side of the Moon <clears throat> love Pink Floyd's early stuff with Sid Barrett, don't like the wall that much. Like, Actually, like if you're I, talking about meandering and long, I'm like oh, does this need to be a double album? Jeez. Okay, hold on, but it's meandering and long but the wall is also easily compartmentalised, like there's little points of like well, three minutes awesome th- that's yeah. the thing, there's some awesome songs on there, whereas Dark Side of the Moon is one big piece, you know that's what I like about it, Yeah, it's okay. like a that's more meandering for me. Again, it's another 90-minute podcast <coughs> in its own right, but I think that there is an argument that can be made that uh, when they pulled the fader down on the last track of the wall, that was the jumping of the shark of the yeah. <laughs> of Pink Floyd. Yeah.
it was touch and go at times in that album, and you know, nothing since has gone it's close. It's kind of like concept albums are always a tricky thing. Yeah. It's kind of like trying to keep it going. Some a consistent theme I really is think that's, difficult. That's the that's the title of the podcast on double albums. Does it really need to be a double album? Mm. I can name one double album that's needed to be a double album. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yeah, but at the same it's time, the there are, are but there are arguments for it being one album. No, I don't think so. The Sprawl is what makes that. Physical Graffiti. True. That deserves to be a double album. Mm. Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. Okay. There's plenty right. of great All double right. albums. Okay. But it's, it's there are a lot of bands who have put a lot of work into double albums when it really didn't need to be. The White Album? Yeah. Maybe that's maybe yeah, that's one that's of them. Yeah, that's a compelling album. But as, as in the Beatles anthology, I'm pretty sure Paul McCartney says, it's the Beatles White Album. It's sold. Shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. I agree with Ringo. <laughs> it's perfect in its... Recklessness and sloppiness. Yeah. <laughs> totally. As loathed as I am to move on from music, because that is something we can <laughs> dig into for a very long time. Uh, before we do, is there any more in your controversials list that are classically controversial? Because uh, I think Kiss derailed it. Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen? Great. I've always liked him. Mm. Never loved, loved him, but I've always been aware and liked him. Again, uh, like Bowie, only not insofar as simultaneously mainstream and also, you he's know... He's got the cred. Yeah, he's yeah. got the cred of, of, of his own He's sunshine. also found the Fountain of Youth somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's a good-looking older guy. I'm trying to think who I was listening to. I was listening to another podcast because I, I don't exclusively listen to Splitting Cases. I'll occasionally, <laughs> I'll occasionally uh, listen to... But Get out. So, oh, no, it might have been you... Oh, God. ...interviewing somebody recently who was saying that they had a close encounter with the boss of some description and it showed them that they needed to bring a new level of professionalism. What it was your... Dan Sultan. Dan Sultan. Was that you yeah. interviewing him? Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. Because he was saying that in between this album and the last, he grew up immensely, asked him in what ways, mm. and he said that he was constantly getting drunk, being hungover, missing flight, letting his band down, letting his career down, and he actually considered whether or not he was right for this. And he just kind of, touring with Bruce Springsteen, made him realise he needed to man up and just be more professional about it and just pull his shit together. You know what? That's like that's like that moment when you find out that you've been cited in an academic essay for the first time. <laughs> you just you just officially became a pop culture reference for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to this interview. Who was it now? Oh yeah, it's that guy there. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of any others that are... Um, well, we can come back. Where are you guys on... And again, it's a bit like saying, where are you on sport or where are you on women? It's a very big... Uh, oh, but yeah. but where, where are you on Blues and Roots? Yeah, always. it's always been something that is on the periphery and something that I'm aware of and is always enjoyable but never really delved into. I guess it's such a... Yeah, you're right. It's a broad thing. It depends on what's blues, yeah, what's really yeah, blues. Yeah, um, but, yeah, like, I'm into Cream yeah. and, like, Eric Clapton, yeah. um, Muddy Waters, Howl yeah, and well, Wolf, okay. that you sort of stuff. Chuck Berry. Blues, like, yeah, I, I guess it depends what's blues, what's rock, yeah. what's blues rock. But, yeah, I'm into that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and, and, and that, again, that's part of the that's part <laughs> of the trade of that genre is having that argument, <laughs> isn't it? You know? The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, do you consider... The Black Keys to be blues. Yeah. Well, yeah. whereas other people say anything anything that's out of the swamp is yeah. inauthentic, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Credence. Oh yeah, I'm on board with Credence again. Oh, uh, in the Springsteen, Bowie, maybe even you two. 
wheelhouse that uh, were simultaneously credible in their own corner uh, and also mainstream, incredibly popular. Um, uh, Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. 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 Fleetwood do, do Mac they, I, they, everywhere. I, I only got yeah. into Fleetwood like very recently but because I kind of like was like, oh, that's horrible, that stuff. And then I got a bit older and I was like, hang on. Yeah. No, it's not. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is totally amazing. <laughs> It is actually one of those interesting things, you know, and this brings it back to sport as well, is that uh, I I have made a deliberate effort over time to not only love things because they're unpopular, uh, but also not to deliberately dislike things because they are popular. There's a reason why they are. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, there is inevitably, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Chinese food or cricket or Fleetwood Mac, if vast or Hinduism, if there's vast tracks of people who dig it, there is likely to be something that's worthy of your explanation yeah. of, of your time. But and- on, the other, on the other hand, you never love something as so much as something you have to defend all yeah. your life. You know, I love this because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you need that. What, what's that for you? What Hanson. Hanson. <laughs> yeah, I imagine, Seriously? I imagine you've had to have that fight. That has been a fucking uphill slog. <laughs> I feel like even to some extent, uh, UMI is that because it's kind of like they're not the biggest band in Australia, yeah. but the p- people that like them love them. Yeah. So and it's kind of like you're always like, oh fuck no, UMI is a better live band than that. Yeah, and they've also got a rep for a for people that are casual fans. They've got that rep of Berlin Chair being the big single. That's why you always get the fuckwits going Berlin Chair for ninety minutes until they play it, and also. Tim Rogers has had his moments and he's been a very eccentric guy and gotten pretty drunk on stage a lot. And so the thing I get when I say I'm a huge fan of UMI is, oh, that Tim Rogers, he's always drunk. He's always such a rock and roll guy. I'm like, actually, the I more always you... don't think people get that there's a shtick. It's the yeah, total yeah, shit. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you know this is hammed up it, a little act, bit. Right? Like, yeah. you, like know, you know Gene sure Simmons is... Drinking, but- it's hammed up. Like, you know Gene Simmons is an asshole, but you don't expect him to wear the makeup all day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, for me, it's football slash soccer. Yeah. Because of being from this part of the world and yeah. uh, also because I worked around rugby league for so long, I, I lived in that world in mm. many ways as well. And then when I, I had... Soccer, football, and even that's its own sub-argument. But I have football, yeah. <laughs> football thrust upon me to a large degree. I didn't seek it out. It became a job opportunity. This is very much a football community we live in. Yeah, yeah. quite. And so uh, I was forced. I, I had it thrust upon me. I was forced to embrace it in many ways and then uh, discovered what it was like. And, you know, yeah. uh, one of the quotes that I say all the time is... Um, uh, soccer is like Shakespeare, Sex and the Beatles. If you give it a bit of time, you'll see what everyone's raving about, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, it is that. It is worthy of the global attention that it gets. It's a thing of beauty and poetry, and it can be enjoyed on so many different levels, and it's totally. also brutal, and it's and it's exciting, and it's heartbreaking, and it distills, and it's an allegory for life, and all of those sorts of things. So yeah. As you can see, I've had a bit of practice defending it. But... Uh, <laughs> 
the thing you do have to defend your entire life is the thing you love. Yeah, and and it's funny how. You know, before we came on air, we were talking about social media and uh, how I never really wanted to defend it. I never really wanted to be that guy who is known for that thing necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But bad things happen when good people do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> people were saying bad things, and so you inevitably and people say bad things on Facebook a lot. <laughs> they do say. If you ever want to have to defend yourself? Create a Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> say anything on Twitter. Uh, well, th- except the conversation ends when I say, look, the reason why they call it football is because it is the only ball that you truly play exclusively with your foot. And they go, yeah, but they're called the Socceroos. And the, argu- <laughs> and the argument's over. <laughs> I have no comeback from that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one of the most bizarre conversations I ever had was with a UK soccer fan, mm-hmm. football fan, mm-hmm. Um, who was from the UK, visiting Australia, and I was telling me, oh, when you get to England, you've got to go to a football game. And I was like, okay, okay, sure. Like, what about it? He's like, oh, just get into a fight. He's like, it's it's great. Just, oh, the fights. And I was like, oh, that sounds (laughs) truly horrible. Not fun. Really not fun. I mean, actually... The the fighting thing around uh, sport is is fun in the Spice Girls are awesome, Spice Girls suck kind of fight. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. the come here, I'm gonna glass you, you're busted. Yeah, is not so much fun. No, the, uh, it's like in Australia, in a brawl, you lose your teeth, but in England, you lose your jaw. Yeah, you know? yeah, quite. And uh, yeah, and people will die defending yeah. their club over there, quite literally. Which is insane. Yeah, just, it's absolutely just insane. Madness. Just oh madness. Yeah. yeah. God, imagine me in a defending Hanson physical fight. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. The guys who dislike Hanson yeah. are probably beefier. Use your <laughs> mhops glass, though. I could. I have an mhops glass, but I'd be too. I'd be too sad glassing someone with it. You know. Yeah. So the Hanson fight. That that that's a boxing match I would pay to see. <laughs> Actually, the guys in Hanson are quite like built yeah, now, yeah, so they could fine. take someone in a fight if they're defending themselves. They're strapping lads. Strapping lads. Uh, moving off from back onto topic and then off um, yeah. off music into the thing we haven't discussed at all yet to a greater extent TV and I'll start I'll start the ball rolling is um, you and Nick Gerber are the reasons I never watched Breaking Bad yet <laughs> yes I heard you say that in that podcast well uh, Breaking Bad is an example of something I wasn't on the first wave of yeah uh, and 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 it's an interesting conversation around curation now because you got a choice either you're a you're a hipster on something and you're ahead of the curve and you lead it or you let other people distill the shit away for you and (laughs) and go and that was what happened to breaking bad i i was like it's a thing about a guy who breaks bad yeah i'm pretty comfortable i know where that's going and then Clearly, I wasn't. Clearly, there was yeah. something else going on, and I was far enough along the track that I was given, I presume, a completely legally ripped copy <laughs> of uh, the of first course, yeah. always. <laughs> of the first series. Yeah. But by the time I devoured that in a weekend, the second series was already on DVD. So yeah. that's how late to the game I was yeah. with with Breaking Bad. But 
it, again, it goes back to the Fleetwood Mac thing. There are certain things that if there's that much of a fuss about them, there is clearly something that's worthy of yeah. your time, you know. And so then, uh, you know, I'm a big... Uh, I, I'm, I'm a hipster on Boardwalk Empire. In mm. Australia, it's huge overseas, but it isn't of the Game of Thrones slash Breaking Bad oh, no. enormity. It is popular, but, yeah, it's not, not crazy. Not, that, not but like... Yeah. But Boardwalk it's Empire is, is the album that you have to sit with and give time because yeah. you're not going to... It's a slow burner. Yeah, it's a much slower burner. One yeah. episode is so fucking slow, but if you consider it in, in the context of a season, you know those characters. And that is the that, to me, is exploiting... <clears throat> the luxury that you have of that long-form storytelling. You know, it's it's the thing that I love about Game of Thrones as well, is that you will have these explosive action sequences that what the hell's going on for 20 minutes, and then the remaining 40 minutes will be one conversation. Yeah. Because that's what the story needs. And, And because you've committed to it, you know, it is like any good relationship. Sometimes yeah. it'll be explosive and fun and sometimes it'll be long and ponderous, yeah. but it's worth it because you've made the commitment and, yeah. and and that's what I love about Game of Thrones and, you know, um, uh, certainly Bre- Breaking Bad fits that. Uh, Orange is the New Black is the other one that... Uh, that's good. Yeah. Um, Mrs. And- Pointy met one of the writers. You do- oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, uh, outside of a hotel in uh, LA, was it? Yeah, His mother yeah, was like, LA, do, you right. like, do you like Orange is the New Black? My son writes for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the thing about Orange is the New Black is that it is part of the thing about Breaking Bad and to a lesser degree Game of Thrones is that I have moments of storytelling ecstasy in those. They are just borderline perfect yeah. at moments. Orange is the New Black is rarely reaches that level of perfection, but what it does is it allows female characters to be incredibly complex mm. and and large numbers of female characters being complex in long form is such a rare thing oh, yeah. <laughs> in popular culture oh, that yeah. I'm prepared to give it a bit more room. Yeah, yeah. very much so. You are in like, commonly typecast roles. You big know, time. As well. I mean, Piper, yeah. Piper's character, if you distill it down, is very patchy, mm. very inconsistent. Oh, and also, as a main character or the protagonist she's not very likable no, really like <laughs> everything again, she does you're like why are you doing that for but but again i this to me is the hallmark of all of these great see if you've got 90 minutes to tell a film right yeah. you need to hit everybody between the eyes with who's the good guy who's the bad guy who's the villain who's the love interest yeah right the great hallmarks of your Breaking Bad characters, several of the Game of Thrones characters, not 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 across, but certainly the oranges, the new black characters, is they are complicated. They aren't. Yeah. They aren't all good or all bad. The great turning point of TV when there was, is when there's no discernible hero and no discernible villain, right. and your hero is essentially the villain. Yeah, and it should have been orange is the new grey. Really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so, like, what I like about the Piper character is we all know that girl who is. Eighty-three percent perfect and seventeen percent unbearable. You know, we yeah. we all know her, yeah. and um, and some of us are her. <laughs> but but, uh, but again, you... let's not get into grants like personal <laughs> podcast again. Still thinking about which Spice Girl I'd be. <laughs> yeah. So what about what about for you guys in the t- in the TV realm? Oh, what hang, on, hang on, hang yeah. on. The other one is um, um, Gilligan's Island. 
completely never seen an episode of Gilligan's I, Island. I haven't either. The I think that's phenomenon. such an American thing, though. Yeah, I know, because, again, it wasn't so much on TV over yeah. here. But... You know, I dream of Genie every episode, the old Batman's every episode, yeah. Mash, Batman's Mash Batman's every funny. episode, of uh, Flipper every episode. Yeah. But somehow Gilligan's Island, not a thing. Yeah, not a thing. Hmm. Um, so the love boat. The love boat. Also, <laughs> really a thing for me. Ever. The, the, the love boat was one of those. If you missed it at Monday seven thirty, I think it was actually Tuesday at eight thirty. <laughs> if memory serves, uh, then you missed it altogether. And so I was of an age where. It was an occasional love boat romance. I knew all the characters and whatever yeah. else, but I could not reliably be expected to be there at eight thirty every Tuesday. <laughs> See, I was at the age where all of those shows got their three pm to four pm, four thirty replay um, on weekday afternoons. So I was huge into as a kid. Oh, after school, apart from all the Disney stuff, like the Chippendale Rescue Rangers and all yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, like reruns of the Brady Bunch, reruns of I Dream of Genie yeah. and Bewitched, to Bewitched. the point where like you just I about got the full set there now. Yeah, that, I grew up with a massive crush on Samantha, and yeah. I mean I'm I was born in 1986. I mean that show was well done and dusted, mm. and past its prime, and it's because of the reruns that I totally got into which, it. Which which Brady girl did you like? Oh, it was always it was always Marsha. I don't think yeah, I don't. It was always Marsha, and it wasn't even the looks about Jan. No, it was just totally yeah. It was the, it was the the character wasn't anywhere near as likable, and mm. Cindy was just a kid. It was yeah. always Marsha. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it blows my mind. Like in the whole, let's remake films from old TV shows and. Bewitched was n- with Nicole Kidman and Will Ferrell was not a good what? movie. What? But I think they did it well in that sarcastic 90s parody way yet still earnest and sincere way they did the two Brady Bunch movies that I was at the right time for. I was watching the reruns so I understood completely what it was about and what it was talking uh, about uh, and was baffled now as an adult to realise the woman who played Marsha is married to Ben Stiller. Oh, is yeah, that right? That's Ben Stiller's wife, and I'm like, "Good job, Ben yeah, Stiller! Well played." Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I actually recently caught again because it was Family Fair, and, yeah. and that's always precious. <laughs> yeah. uh, I caught a bit of one of those '90s Brady Bunch movies, and there was a level of satirical sophistication and also a nostalgic respect going on yeah. there that probably belied the first look you know because they, the butt of the joke was always the ni- 90s cynical next door neighbors quite, yeah. they were never the they were never they'd always make fun of the ones that were next door but you know that was the, it was the Brady bunch that was winning out which was the satirical edge yeah. going uh, it was a gentler time yeah. and there was there was a genuine affection for what that world was back then i just always remember that line where they were parodying the original Brady bunch version of um the football hit Marsha's nose and she couldn't go to the prom and the 90s guy walks in and he's like come on Marsha he'll he'll love you anyway reveal your nose and he goes oh Marsha it's not your nose I'm after and I remember as a kid my mother laughed and laughed at that and I was like that funny, yeah. and I'm like, yes, it is. I get it. Here's another podcast for another day. Shit that works on different <laughs> levels depending on what age you are. And that's when we'll dissect Turn Grand Around while we watch Once More Warriors. Yeah, right. the- <laughs> Once More Warriors, yeah. But it's the whole modern TV thing for me that it's sort of like because you can watch things at a later date. That I have the luxury of going, oh fuck those guys. I'm not going to watch. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones until two seasons in, that kind yeah, right. of stuff. I so was, have you seen Game of Thrones? All of it now, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was two seasons in for me to see it. Yeah. yeah. Are you Boardwalk Empire? 
Oh yeah, I'm so Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> so what, you are Boardwalk Empire. So, so yes, what, I'm Boardwalk Empire I, and one of the. All right. Guys. So what am I missing now then? Out of out of those bits. So Orange is the New Black, Boardwalk Empire, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Ooh, um, what else is out there in that realm? American Horror Stories just come back. Mad Men. Mad Men, yeah. Yeah, Mad Men. I got. I did like the first season and a half, and then yeah, it, not that I didn't like it or whatever else. It just drifted, and I haven't been back there. But it was commitment for me that got me through that series. I was yeah. like, well, I'm committed to these characters now. Yeah, which is all of this long form stuff. Yeah, uh, oh, you, totally. You, you really do need to be patient with them. Like I can remember being quite irritated in Breaking Bad. What's the episode? Is it called The Fly? The episode you know where almost the entire hour is spent pissing about with the fly in the lab. Do you know the one I'm yeah, referring I've to? I've seen it. No, I've also never seen know. it yet. Because oh, I'm all like, fuck you guys. Are you re- so you still haven't still seen have Breaking Bad? I have not seen one episode of Breaking Bad. I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> I, I, you I want to, but you, I've, always, I've just been well, like... You need to look after something you. else you hadn't seen as well. Was but it, the was it six, six Feet Under? Yeah, I've never seen Six Feet Under because everyone was talking about it. Oh, that's... You I, need to watch that. Watch that I'm before. I'm charmed on DVD to watch back again. <laughs> I Six Feet Under again is one of those ones that I've seen. You know, maybe five episodes of, so I haven't made the the full commitment. Yeah. But yeah, I also haven't had. I've a seen team. the whole series about five times. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those things where I'd watch every year. Yeah, I'm total with TV series. A committed person once I like it I can't give up the series True Blood perfect example as I mentioned the Nick Gerber podcast I could never give it up and by the end it was really climbing it was really crawling Dexter how do we feel about Dexter one of those TV shows that everyone talked about and I've never seen an episode of because of that train crash of an ending yeah, I haven't. I never got that far. I got like four seasons in, and that then drifted. Yeah, the right place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt that. I felt that. that and was one I'm... of those shows that was like, "Yes, you've got to see this." And I'm like, "Well, I'll show you. I don't." Yeah, yeah. At it's, the same time, again, I... that says a lot about your your personality. But uh, <laughs> for me, it's more a case of time being a precious resource. Mm. Is that unless I'm being totally hipster about something and feel like I'm I'm a pioneer. I really will let everyone else filter the crap out yeah. and, and then I will go after what is clearly worthy of my time, you know? Well, I, I think at one point I got very lost in a lost in a glut of TV shows because I didn't have time to start watching House of Cards, but that's never one that because people have been talking about it I never watched. I just never had time to put it on in between watching same, other things. Same, it's in my I want to get there but I haven't and yet. that is one of those ones that people rave about never and I've never do. been like stuff for you because this concept sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen House of Cards? Yeah, yeah. have both seasons. Board? Yeah, it's definitely good. Mm. What's the uh, Claire Danes one? Homeland. Yeah. Oh, I never watched that purely because uh, a glut of other things to watch. I l- loved the first series and then there was complications about, oh, the second series wasn't out when I wanted it and I went, also I think I went Game of Thronesy at that point. And yeah, never, and when you're Game of Thronesy, there's nothing. No, there. there is no. And I think it... It's on its fourth season now. Yeah, it wanes the longer it goes a bit too, doesn't it? Uh, it seems to be correcting itself in the fourth season. I think they're about two episodes in so far. Yeah. And uh, it's it's all, all right. I've watched the first two episodes. Yeah, I, I, dug, I dug the first series. Actually, um, I passed over that Prime series drama Bones I mentioned, Forensic E, just general... That's one like, Angel. Yeah, it's the one with David Boreans... Is that his name? Angel from Buffy? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Uh, I passed over it because I was like, eh, procedural, CSI Miami, it just put it over in that basket. But uh, Nothing Cutesy was... Nothing Cutesy's always been a fan. She watched it with her sister. They used to share a room. And I watched part of Series 8 with her because she got it on DVD and I was doing other things. And I was like, oh, I guess it's not too bad. And I played the whole, 
yeah, it's all right, but I might as well watch another episode with you because you want to watch it. Um, and now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm into the characters and therefore I'm into the story, therefore it's all just kind of placing them in different situations. You know? Another interesting thing about time shifting is, see, because the odd hours I work... Mm. I could probably position myself to watch stuff, you know, in the middle of... But there are certain precious things that I want to share with my wife so I wouldn't waste them watching them alone. Yeah, you know? and, oh, totally. Uh, yeah, so, like, Orange is the New Black is like our holdy handsy thing to watch together, <laughs> you know. Nothing cutesy up until a couple of months ago was very casually employed and had a lot of time at home that she mm. wouldn't have had previously but she couldn't really catch up on things because I was not at home no, to watch them because you need to share because yeah. almost what is the point if you haven't got anyone to unpack it with at yeah. the end yeah yeah, and if, like if you haven't got your own podcast, for example, to talk about. <laughs> it. Which the whole premise of was talking shit. You know, we talk shit too often. Somebody like, needs to. How can we it. make it endorse that we can have beers and drink every weekend? <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's just do a podcast. But your wife passed over Doctor Who for a very, very long time. You passed over it not out of choice, but out of just not having the chance to watch it. This new series, but well, it's one of those things where if. Your partner's not into something. Sometimes it makes it difficult to to watch. And she, I tried to get her into Doctor Who, but she didn't really like it. So I had to sort of miss out for a while. But what, because we were super into it, we were like suggesting it to you over and over again. And now she loves it. She's obsessed, and now her sister is as well. Yeah, Doctor Who is a really interesting one for that. Because when did it start? Like, late 50s, didn't it? Late 50s. Yeah, it's yeah, the volume yeah. of TV shows. It's it, taken over that many personas. Quite. And, and it's an interesting example where we were saying before, sometimes when something has its own universe and you're late to it, it's a very hard thing to enter and sometimes you just put it on the in the too hard basket. Yeah. Doctor Who has somehow managed to provide a portal for each new generation to yeah. get on board. And I was very late coming to Doctor Who because having a journalist dad, the 6pm time slot was a news time oh, slot, yeah. not a uh, not a uh, watching Doctor Who time slot. So it was not a teen experience for no. me at all. But it, it, it's astonishing the way it simultaneously has that secret handshake private club, totally. almost like a hierarchy of cred amongst fans, and yet still can welcome newcomers all the time. One thing you said to me in some kind of meeting we were in and we mentioned Doctor Who was being a fan in 1970 meant that you had to write to a fan club and find someone else in Kalgoorlie who was still a fan like and now it's sort of it, it's still almost like that to an extent but you go on a message board and there are hundreds of other people and when an ABC shop runs this Doctor Who day all of these kids and adults and everyone of every age is into it and it's like oh wow I'm part of a community and I didn't even know it and again to bring it full circle once one of the thing once upon a time pre-internet sport was one of the few things that let you do that yeah. <laughs> it was an umbrella under which lots of different people could gather. Religion was another, obviously. <laughs> but, um, sport and religion. Yeah, yeah, sport and religion. But there is now, whether it be, you know, that Comic-Con cosplay kind of yeah. vibe or just the message board thing. Uh, oh, music was very much that as well. Yeah, that's or, true. Although it tended to be a little more demographically self-selecting music. Yeah, yeah, you true. tended not to have grandpas and little kids side by side at the same gig. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, the internet has been great for that in allowing oh, yeah. uh, that, that commonality. And, of course, the longer it goes, the more 
demographic defying it's going to be. And it's funny, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking to George R. R. Martin, who mm. said he was like, he started off his own kind of comic convention. It was like four people who read comics, and yeah. every year it was growing, and now he doesn't even go to comic conventions anymore apart from work and going there for work because it's just like, well, you know, when I started, it was a thing where people who loved this particular thing realized there are other weirdos out there and now everyone just goes it's a it's a cultural thing now and i often wonder being a child on a farm in the mid 80s with this sort of sensibility yeah. but no real outlet for it yeah. i wonder how much sport just became the proxy for that <laughs> because writing letters to some dude in delaware we just wasn't going to cut it in the same way as like turn, turning up the rugby training on Tuesday night was going to. Yeah, and like we mentioned, cars and the cars. ability to associate connect. with other people over them. To yeah. connect under it's that umbrella. And, oh, totally. Yeah. And I was using the, I was paraphrasing that analogy about um, the 70s guy who couldn't have. Anyway, hmm. my niece was calling some, I was calling one of us, oh, you're a nerd. I was like, where'd you hear that? Oh, one of the other girls at school calls people nerds. I was like, what do you think a nerd means? Someone who's blessed, someone who's not cool, this and that. Did you know, do you like superhero movies? Yeah. Well, 20 years ago, if you liked superhero stuff, you were a nerd. No, you weren't. I'm like, yes, you were. Yeah. 20 years and that computer that you work on, nerds. Nerds. <laughs> that bridge you drive over, nerds. nerds. Yeah, they rule the world now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and um, yeah, but one of the things I am quite passionate about is that I do think that... I do think that we've moved to a... Well, we should have. It is possible to move to a a post-Spice Girls. You don't have to be Scary Spice or Sporty Spice or Posh Spice anymore. You yeah. know, that one of the things about the internet and being able to find multiple tribes and a greater accessibility to uh, fashion styles and musical styles and whatever else is that you can actually cherry pick who you are yeah. in a way yeah. that you used to have to define yourself by how you spoke how you appeared, what you were into how you curate your own identity Big based off all that shit cherry yeah. pick cherry pick what fits you best it's a thick and mix yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if this if this conversation is not the exemplification of that then I don't know what oh know? yeah I'm, I'm not just like a goth I'm a goth gamer nerd eagles fan you know <laughs> exactly I can With a dash of Hanson. <laughs> exactly. I can cha- channel cultural phenomenon from everywhere. <laughs> he has nothing to add. He has nothing that's, to add. That's brilliant. All right, well, we're, he has nothing to add. We're all fucking 20 years older now, yeah, yeah. Um, so we should wrap this up somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Was there anything else on our, our list that's of note? Hold on. What did we... We, we took oh, out... We made, we made a quick... Research. We made a quick... May list. I say, I went to grab the iPad, realised it was out of battery, and said, we've got to go old-fashioned. Yeah, got I'm a pen not, and paper. I'm not sure which is going to give out first my bladder <laughs> or my butt in this oh, conversation, but no. Why don't we finish up with our cooking shows? Cooking shows? Now, there's a cultural phenomenon that, that completely I have you not been part of at all. Me, I'll tell you my sum total of relationship with cooking shows and that is ready steady cook (laughs) because there is there or at least there has been it hasn't happened for a very long time but there used to be occasion where because of the hours that I work the mid-afternoon TV would go on and there would be somebody going you have feta cheese a capsicum (laughs) three broad beans and an asparagus make a meal and it was ready steady cook but as far as Whatever it is, the Cupcake Olympics, the Master Chef, oh, yeah. the blah, blah, blah. 
Nothing. Absolutely passed me by. No, but I'm part of like a extended friends group who are all into that, you oh, know? Iron Chef. I was totally oh, into Iron Chef. Totally into Iron Chef. That is totally a, a different a section show. of cooking show. <laughs> I feel that's not in the same vein no, though. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I loved Iron Chef. Yeah. yeah. The world's ready for a, an Iron Chef style roadshow. Yeah. Don't you reckon? Yeah, totally. I must do that. <laughs> I must Make take that note. upon myself. Make a note. <laughs> Make a recording. Even. Make a recording. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the whole thing about... It, it's just something that shows you can make a reality TV show out of everything. You can make a reality show out of meeting Doritos. It's like your thing. Did I just see on your list Citizen Kane? Yeah, I've He's not seen it. He's never seen Citizen Kane. I got stuck, for various reasons, on four long-haul flights. It was going to the World Radio Awards. Okay, yeah. Four long-haul flights, and I was going through, and I'd... I don't know whether there was anything good in the new movies or whether I'd seen them or whatever else. And mm. I went, and then there was this classics channel. And I went, right, I'm going to go through and tick off all of the shit that I should have seen that I haven't. And I did, awesome. I did Citizen Kane. I did A Streetcar Named Desire, yeah. uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, yeah. The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. And I like totally juiced up on all of the... The missing, because again, oh, sorry, did I just hack on you? I'm so sorry. The, uh, it's all it's occupational hazards. I do apologize. Because uh, uh, for me, if you didn't catch those on yeah. a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon, Where are you get there it? was no time shifting yeah. then. And then who the hell at 40 goes and finds the Maltese Falcon and yeah. makes the effort to watch it? But yeah. um, I get. I was saying before, Shakespeare, The Beatles, soccer, sex, throw yeah. Citizen Kane in there as well. I get it. I get what the fuss is about having seen it. Oh, now. I get what the fuss is about. I watched it in a film class in early uni, and I think the first thing, the first realisation you will have at the end of the movie is, wow, I get The Simpsons on a deeper level than I ever had in my life. No. You know? The amount of jokes... Oh, like that from The Simpsons. There's an episode of The Simpsons called Rosebud where it's, it's essentially based on Citizen Kane, but the amount of tiny, like, the, the minutiae kind of jokes, the bits that are thrown in there for people who know what they're talking about in The Simpsons, so many of them from Citizen Kane. Well, a streetcar named Desire as well. Yeah. There's loads of that. Yeah. There's loads of streetcar oh, yeah. named Desire. Yeah. Cool, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, my, totally done. My blood is out and my kids are waiting on a street corner for me. So. Not a problem. Where can we find you, Carney? Uh, you can find me and 1233 ABC Newcastle. Oh, actually, there's a soccer game about to start as well, isn't there, that I should be, that I should be listening to? Uh, yeah, occasionally calling A-League, occasionally on ABC TV doing W-League, and 5.30 each morning on ABC Newcastle. If you have not already realised where to find us, because you're listening to us right now, where do you find us, Pointy? Uh, sportingcases.com. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Links to everything. <laughs> links to everything you need. That was a blast. Thanks, team. No worries.